different uh platforms and our podcast audience every time usually it's a uh, business meeting but this is a live stream before the super bowl and this is more of a fun enter entertaining type uh business meeting you have to have a purpose and an outcome the purpose is to make money the outcome is where 507 roi right and last night uh was talking to Jim Jim, legendary uh Hall of Fame catcher at Loyola with a bad back. <laughs> and actually a legendary uh uh fantasy guy uh who's made us a lot of money. He made me a lot of money because of the big debate going on with Wall Street bets and fundamental analysis and uh you know short-term thinking. He's a long-term thinking guy. He's giving me a lot of fundamental analysis to make us a lot of money watching football this year because we use a lot of fundamental analysis. And that's really breaking down the coaches because in fundamental analysis, one of the elements, and this is the last finance element I'll bore you with today, you look at the corporate governance of a team or an investment. And if Elon Musk is smoking crack, you're saying, hey, I'm not going to invest in, in test. For us, it's the coaches. It's Andy Reid, it's Todd Bowles, so on and so forth. So a phenomenal, in my world, fundamental analysis is Jim, is Jim Coventry. Hello, uh, sir. And uh, let us know, what are you thinking right now? Super excited to be here. Super excited that we have a Super Bowl. We had a full season in the season that we never thought that would happen. And now here we are having had two weeks to break this game down. And yes, we've broken it down every which way possible. And we really believe we have some phenomenal intel. You may have followed us over the week and heard a lot. We will get you finalized here, get you ready for the game. One thing I want to just bring up, a lot of people have been worried about weather. Two things I want to point out. First thing, there is a less than 10% chance of rain in each specific quarter of the game, 5% to start the game. The temperature will start out in the six mid 60s like 66 also those who were worried about the heavy rains we don't know this for a fact but we do know for a fact that the nfl assigns a groundskeeper to the field so it's not a home field advantage most likely i believe the field was tarped the league does not want a sloppy playing field to distort the game so most likely 
the field conditions will be pristine. I can't guarantee that, but if the league hires somebody, you know for what they want. They don't want this game ruined by any um, outside force. Right now, and uh, Tim did some great reporting on this. Uh, old school guy graduated from the Pointer Institute of Journalism, right up there in St. Pete, Florida, uh, with the help of Don Baines, right? NFL Hall of Fame writer. And Jim did some spot on reporting. Uh, bottom line is that the head's groundkeeper for the NFL is also the one for the Chiefs. What does that tell me? That tells me that he knows Andy Reid. And him and Andy Reid have some sort of relationship. And Andy Reid would say, uh, make sure that the grass isn't high, right? Because when you have you play a speed team, a team that has a Tyree kill, you want to have the grass high to slow him down. Now, since I spent 20 years in Florida, I understand that when it rains in the morning, you get the grass grows fast. So what Jim is saying is make sure there was a tarp on the field to eliminate that. Was there or was there not? Uh, we've got uh, reporters on the field that maybe I'll re reach out to and get that uh, information uh, flowing. Was there a tarp on the field? Because if it isn't, the grass is going to grow a little bit and it's going to slow down uh, Tyreek Hill and the speed guys for uh, your Kansas City uh, Chiefs where I think the weather is going to be a factor is, Jim, what is the humidity going to be at game time? Yes, the humidity is going to be in the 70%. I'm going to give you an exact number momentarily here as I expand the screen. In 73% in the first quarter when it's 66 degrees, then when the temperature goes down 2 degrees each quarter, the humidity goes up to 79 in the second quarter, 83% in the third and fourth quarter, but by then it'll be 62 degrees. Right. So again, the problem is the humidity, because what happens is you, these guys are wearing a face mask and they're wearing pads. They're anxious and they're trying to breathe and get oxygen in their heads. Now, I think it's a really good advantage for Kansas City. that They already played there and they play it under worse conditions. However, it was a regular season game and it's anxiety. Now, as I get more specific and this is the, the 40 years. Jim and I have a combined almost 90 years watching football. <laughs> and uh, University of South Florida, you see in my background, the alumni, they got 15, they recruited 15 defensive linemen for the team. The reason they did that is you got to keep your defensive linemen fresh in that hot, humid weather. So with the humidity, you're trying to suck in air, you're trying to breathe, and you're getting sucked in with some moisture. The fact that it's going to be 80% humidity in the fourth quarter is not good for a 350-pound fat guy. Now, drilling it down to be more specific, the Chiefs have an injury, and it's something good to watch during this game, right? Because Jim, very astutely during this week, uh, said that the Bucs, don't have in their interior line, they do not have their 
preferred people in there because of injuries. Great, the Gary Alex Campbell. Right. The Chiefs have on the left side uh, an injury, right? And the problem with these fat guys on both sides of the line is stamina. And physically, they might be able to handle it, but mentally, there's a lot of anxiety going on, right? How is there going to be hold up? And is it true what they say that the interior alignment, right, are less important than the guy, than, than your left tackle? What do you think about that, Joe? So typically for the passing game, that would be accurate. Your tackles typically are the ones that would stop the outside pass rush. The guards in the center are much more critical to run defense for an inside running game, of course. Now, it's very, very interesting here because these teams are not typical. First of all, the Bucs do run inside. They have very few different, they have like three run plays they run. And they don't run, they don't use their, their guards to pull so it's a very interesting game for them and since they'd gone all season without pulling them when they lost Alex Kappa their right guard to a broken ankle they didn't switch their system when they had um Stinney come in I can't think of his first name I think it's Alex Stinney but when he comes in they don't really change their running game but this is a game where they really would have needed that but they won't have that for the Chiefs we understand not having your tackles is a big deal but again Patrick Mahomes is that guy who breaks the thing. We saw in the AFC championship game on one play where he got pressure, he literally rolled backwards 11 yards. So the rush had to go longer to get to him. And then he threw an off balance throw off his wrong foot. And he found Nicole Hardman just through a laser where he was in the middle of the field, two defenders behind him, but Patrick Mahomes loses absolutely nothing in suboptimal circumstances. So I get it, the line's an issue, but as I've made my comparison during the week, Patrick Mahomes is Michael Jordan. Patrick Mahomes is Michael Jordan, right? You're a uh, Chicago guy, crew and crew talking about Mahomes as uh, Michael Jordan. Now, I would agree with you 100%, but I think, and I'll show you a little bit later, but I don't see, but I don't think Mahomes is 100%. And the reason, to be honest, that I feel that Mahomes is not 100% is because my wife is a psychotherapist. And often she'll talk about, she can't tell me the name of a client, but she can tell me the effects of what happens to a client. Uh, the police puts them in a chokehold and this and that happens, but her job is to figure out what that does to that guy's uh, behavior and what that does uh, to that guy's relationship with his wife, uh, sleeping habits, so on and so forth. So Mahomes had that injury where he got the uh, oxygen, right? Uh, cut from his brain. They thought it was a concussion, but it was more of a chokehold effect, right? So. You have to deal with direct evidence, okay? So you have to, then we talk about this a lot in betting, you have to see with your eyes. That's why I feel that I've made a lot of money not watching uh, ESPN, not watching FS1, not listening to the commentators, just looking at things uh, with my own 
eyes. And when I looked at Mahomes limping when the shot wore off, I thought it was interesting, right? So more evidence would be when I saw Mahomes doing that interview. He didn't do a lot of interviews. That's the other thing too. Mahomes did not do a lot of interviews this week. And when he spoke with, he did the Zoom with Tom Brady. So when he did the Zoom with Tom Brady, I took a picture and I sent it to Jim. And I'm like, I don't like, remember, Jim and I are combined over 100 years. I don't like, all right, uh, the, the fact that he hasn't slept. Now, I related to when I was young and going out to the clubs and I didn't sleep, right? I was fine to mix it. So he might be fine. He might not need a lot of sleep to play early in his career. If he's Tom Brady's age, he will, all right? <laughs> but not now. What are your thoughts, Jim? So, you know what? It's a great time for me to come back to Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, when he was old, when he was playing the Utah Jazz, he had food poisoning the night before the game in Utah. Right. Michael, Michael Jordan carried the Bulls on his back with food poisoning and won the game. Right. Michael Jordan, earlier in his career, had the flu against the Knicks. That's in the right. famous double nickel game. Michael Jordan scored 55 in the garden with the flu. They had to carry him from the court to the, like, literally, like, kind of like, his arms over their shoulders, carry him back to the, the team timeouts. And then he'd get back on the field and just get back at it. When we are talking the best of the best and you add in adrenaline and killer instinct. And I believe maybe nobody's to Michael Jordan's level level, but Patrick Mahomes has the killer instinct. He is an assassin. He will have adrenaline. He's young. I know his toe hurts. It hurt in the AFC championship game. I know that he has after effects of the injury he suffered against the Cleveland Browns, but he overcame that the next week. He's had two more weeks to recover. I believe what you're saying, Josh, and I think there's a lot of merit to him, but I, I always say this. I think sometimes we as analysts, we underrate the small room hall of fame type guys. Now, and I know Patrick Mahomes has a long career to go, but we, can never understand what these players who are so superior to everybody else can accomplish under horrible circumstances. Right. Now I've last night, Jim experienced a little bit, but we got a high percentage last night, <laughs> pack 12, we hit four out of five, 80%. You bet equal amounts in each game. You have profit. And one of the things we can debate about is I don't believe in bad beats. You got to look at things, uh, that happen and break down at the end of a game. So I'm going to ask you this. I agree with everything you said, 100%. However, in the fourth quarter, in 80% humidity, with a beat-up left tackle, a very tired left tackle, and that shot's worn down, and that toe hurts, and that adrenaline is worn off, uh, I think the Bucks have a, an advantage. And after that, we'll, we'll go over some plays, because I love – during the year, for I even got to know Jim, how he broke down plays and systems and his, uh, his fundamental analysis. So, so we're going to do some fundamental analysis and some plays that he discussed uh, previously with me. So question number one, how do you feel about that final drive maybe? Chiefs are up 34-31, third and 12, JPP and Shaq Barrett. Shaq Barrett coming off one end, JPP off the other on Fisher, and they're double teaming Vita Vea. Uh, 
how do you think about that? And Mahomes not being able maybe to run at it. I would expect him to run on that play. I don't think he can run with that toe. Or maybe he can, you know? He says, heck with it, heck with the paint. I'm going to be who I normally am. Regardless. And I think he can do that when you're young. He did run a little bit against the Bills. It wasn't optimal and it wasn't smart, but he ran a little right. bit. One thing I want to bring back, and I'm still answering your question, from the week sure. 12 game, when they came out, they were getting the ball out quickly because Mitchell Schwartz was out for that game. He's their right tackle who's been out right. you know, longer than them. So they were already working on getting the ball out quickly. And then there were times when they chose not to and Mahomes extended plays and did what he does. So I think if there's any concern as the game goes on, they easily can go to a quick strike attack because remember, in that second half of the game. Are you going to get 12 yards on a quick strike? It's going to be interesting, right? Because if, if you're going to go with a quick play on 12 and third, 34, 31 in the fourth quarter, you're going to have to go with one. Uh, and it's going to be, that's where clutch comes in, right? Because right. you're going to have to go with one with maybe a Kelsey, even a Tyree Kill can do this, where they're going to have to shake someone and somewhere in the butt is going to have to do some Hall of Fame tackling yes. to get that from being a, 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 a conversion right? Getting off the field and not stopping the Chiefs from running out the clock. Yes. And don't discount like fantasy football people. They are really sour on Sammy Watkins because he hasn't put up big numbers in his career. We saw in the last two playoff seasons, Sammy Watkins can be an integral part of the Chiefs game plans when the opponents really clamp down, put extra coverage on Hill and Kelsey. When Sammy Watkins sees single coverage against lesser cornerbacks, Sammy Watkins with the ball in his hands is a running back. He's not a receiver, very physical. He can run through you and he can run by you. And even Miko Hardman can get a quick hitch. And if he has single coverage, one move and that defender bites on it, he could be to the house. So the problem for the Bucs is going to be you're going to pick your poison. You're either going to play it straight and keep things in front of you and hope that Kelsey and Hill don't kill you, or you're going to over-exaggerate on them. And Andy Reid, again, from that week 12 matchup, saw those adjustments. He has plays in place already prepared for when he sees those looks. Now he'll also use Hill in motion. He'll use him in the middle of the the three-by-one wide receiver stacks to get him free releases. But there are so many ways that Andy Reid learned from the adjustments the Bucs made in that second half. Yeah, I don't mind that play to Sammy Watkins. He breaks a tackle. Now let's look at this play, break it down, and then we'll – I saw a play from the Bills game that really uh, illustrates the Chiefs' offense. And let me know if you can see this, Bill. Can you see this? Yes. It's a little far away, but yes. Yeah. Second and two. That better? Yep. All right. So this is the first uh, buck game. I'm going to show you what I see, and then we'll play it again. Okay. And then um, you let me know what you see. Okay. So they're coming up. It's first and 10. We're watching the play here. Yeah. So this is going to be a zone play look from Tom Brady. So Tom Brady is looking at the defense, right? Seeing who's coming, looking at the safeties. And this is an air raid where he just saw him. He just gave a signal to uh, his guy and boom, up the middle, zone beater to his guy Gronk. So I love that audible because that audible was almost like a uh, no look back 
pass in the NBA. So now yes. you look at this look, right? So you have a uh, single high look, right? Mm-hmm. So he's going to fake the snap to see, is it a fake zone or is it man and who's coming, right? And you see on the right side, Antonio Brown looking to Brady, looking for an audible. So he know, we know an audible is coming. Now there's no running backs, right? So why is your boy over here on the right side looking into the backfield? You know why? Anxiousness, anxiety. <laughs> it's hard <laughs> playing football, all right? So you got Brady on the right side and you got Gronk. He's going to do a fake block and go straight up the field. All right. Boom. Bam. He's gone. Another angle. Boom, he's got. So that's that's a, a Buccaneer zone beater. And we'll go back and as uh they go through the play, what what are your seeing? What are your thoughts, John? So yes, they went with an empty set on there basically to maximize the matchups. And now when we watch that play, we realize the pass rush was coming heavy. Had Gronk been chipped on that, Brady right. would have been sacked. So the thing is now, that same look, they're gonna have to be ready for the adjustments that Steve Spagnuolo, when he sees that, he realizes chip Gronk. Now, remember, this is the last game. But the, the Bucs will run relevant. this formation, but they won't run the same play, I would imagine. Right. But Gronk, this is the last game Gronk was relevant for them. And I said earlier in the week, for the Bucks to win, they have to deploy Gronk the way they did in that game in plays such as this. Gronk gives them a big matchup advantage in the middle of the field. He's one of the players that the Chiefs will not have an answer for. So those empty sets, like you showed, getting Gronk as a factor, because they have to worry about Mike Edmonds and Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown. Even though Gronk is Gronk, he does not command the same respect he commanded earlier in his career. He does not see double teams anymore because of the presence of those receivers. So what I liked about that play is the ability to get him in the formation. And they haven't done that since that week 12 game. They need to have that as part of this game to be successful today. I agree with that as well. But what what I liked about that more than anything else was the communication, right? And that, if Tampa Bay gets behind, right, which a lot of you guys think Tampa Bay is going to get behind, uh, Brady's not going to panic. And I think that communication is going to uh, be there. Yes, Tom Brady, of course, with his vast experience, he's seen everything. He knows mostly pre-snap what he's going to see. Steve Spagnuolo has given him fits. Um, I believe he's three and two against Brady over the course of time. Um, he does have a lot of late motion in the defense before this, right at, right at the snap to try to confuse Brady with the pass rush concepts. So this is going to be a phenomenal chess matcher, as you say. Brady is great at communicating, but Spagnola with that late defensive movement at the snap, he often is a master at confusing the looks, even to a legend like Brady. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. 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 Uh, but I think that since they have film on Spagnolo and what he did to him the last times, uh, the three-headed monster of, as I get the other video up, of 
Arians, right? Uh, of the right one of Arians, uh, Leftwich, and Brady and Gronk. You got a lot of smart guys on that offensive line. Uh, just because you graduated from Ivy League school does not mean that you're smart. <laughs> <laughs> but Cameron Brait graduated from an Ivy League school. Uh, he's a intelligent guy, and he can help Brady with the looks, you know. And it's very interesting because the, the Saints do the same thing, right? When they bring in the other guy, he's a quarterback. He reads the defense along with, with Breeze and uh, what's-his-face on – the on the headset into the helmet and these guys come up with a play every time everybody's trying to copy in a way the air raid because the rams got in the super bowl with the air raid and the chiefs won a super bowl pretty much using the air raid so i see a lot of the air raid going up so let's look at let me know if you can see it while you're pulling up the film can i add a couple things cam great cam great missed practice Friday. He has a back injury. He is going to play. The inactives have come up. We are fully expecting to play, but be careful with back injuries. He could be knocked out of the game early. And I know this is not where we're going, but I have a couple injuries I haven't mentioned. Right. Uh, these are both on the defensive side of the ball for the Bucs. These players are not on the injury report, but Jordan Whitehead, who was knocked out of the conference championship game, has a fully torn labrum in his shoulder off the injury report, and he will play, but he is not nearly 100%. Levante David, the second of those two great linebackers, he and Devin White, Levante David has been dealing with a hamstring injury. He is off the injury report, but apparently it's a somewhat significant injury. And against a speed team like the Chiefs, I just want viewers and listeners to understand that those could factor into this game. Now, I know you had film ready, but I wanted to make sure I brought that up. No, 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 that's very important. All right, that's very important uh, to share because you have those injuries. And let me know if you can see. Can you see the screen? Yes. Right, perfect. Uh, I'll run the play as I'm finishing my thought that if you are a Levante David Right. If you're a, a Levante David, you can get away with saying you're injured, injury report a camera break. But there's marginal guys, guys on special teams, guys who are, are on the margins of even being on the team next year. It's not good for them to report an injury for the Super Bowl. So there's going to be guys who are injured per se, who can't say they're injured because of, uh, they, they come off as unreliable and out of anger, right? You never make good decisions out of anger. So when uh, coach Andy Reid or the general manager are making a decision, they're gonna remember you were hurt for the Super Bowl. Whether it's true or not, who knows? But there's gonna be guys playing injured who haven't said, they're injured. And one big thing, and I'm going, uh, you know, looking out for 30,000 feet when we want to get specifics and give people specific picks. But 
one thing that's big in the Super Bowl that's going to change this as more states legalize sports betting is information and access to data, right? The whole thing with Wall Street Bets, with hedge fund managers, with Robinhood. Robinhood makes money off your data. It's all information, right? So we don't know who's hurt. There's certain requirements. Do they meet those requirements? And there's difference between something that's illegal versus something that's unethical and immoral. And usually if it's legal, people will do it for the most. Joe and I wouldn't, <laughs> but for the most part, people will do unethical and immoral things for money, all right? So we're gonna queue up this sequence of plays the, on this. And I think they go by series. I think they go by series where based on my observations and Joe can tell me what he thinks. I think some series they go air raid, other series, uh, Andy Reid is calling the script in the beginning, right? This series, yes. I saw them kind of communicate and I think they went air raid. So in the air raid, when it's a zone, and we learned this from Beth Raslav, Houston Baptist, he's now at Western Kentucky with Clay Hilton's brother, right? In the air raid, when it's zone, you do crossing routes. When it's man, you go vertical routes. So yes. you see them break the huddle, right? And you see guys looking back at Mahomes trying to get a signal on what he's reading for the defense. He does not do that with Kelsey. Him and Kelsey, they say they have a mind melt. They read the defense independent of each other, and then they go, right? So you see right. Tyreek Hill crossing. These guys are so good that if they know what defense it is, it's lights out. So they see zone. You got a guy who runs a 4-2 going to go crossing, right? Yes. And if you look deeper into this, that's why I feel this game is going to be so much different. Buffalo was lined up wrong the whole time. Look at that guy. He's freaking out. He has a lot of anxiety. He has no idea what's going on. Neither does our uh, Mike linebacker. Look at him. They're switching. They have no idea. They're hesitating. Number 24 is completely confused. And bam, these guys know what they're doing. Kelsey is wide open. Now they're arguing with each other. They're losing emotional control. These Buffalo Bill guys. <laughs> uh. I don't know if Tampa Bay is going to lose that much composure. There you go. He knows exactly where he's going with the ball. He's faking it. It's a zone, so he's crossing it so he can lead them to the area. Now, right. one thing, a pair of things I noticed in the sequence of plays that just went on. In All that right. game against the Bills, Mahomes had the first game with the injured toe after he heard it in the Cleveland game. Right. He had one of his lowest average depth of targets or passes. He was like less than seven yards for pass in that game. He right. was getting the ball out quickly. I do expect to see more of the same here today. And like you said, if they go into man concepts, then we may see more vertical rounds. But they were able to destroy Buffalo with a quick, short passing attack, allowing their receivers to do damage after the catch, especially Hill. And then at one play we showed where you mentioned the anxiety on the defensive side, using Hill in multiple sets of motion, that compromise the defense a first of all you're tipping off man's own concepts but second of all that speed of Tyreek Hill the defenders have no clue where he's ultimately going and 
passing off responsibilities from one another, and then he changes direction again, making it very difficult to actually say how you're defending him. He is the Chiefs and Hill are dictating the coverage instead of vice versa. No, and I, and I have an example that we'll look at that as well. You're spot on. Uh, this one was interesting because it's an RPO place, straight out of college, right? Of course, he's not going to hand it off because he's he has the decision. So when the quarterback has the decision, for the most part, it's going to be a, a pass. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then uh, we'll see our, our zone beater by Kelsey. The gym's been saying all week uh, is going to be open against his zone. That, that, uh, there are guys yeah, on goals who's going to run zone blitz. Mm -hmm. Now, an item that I have about the zone blitz, Ted, on. Remember, this is information you're not going to get anywhere else. Uh, Tampa Bay will be able to get pressure just rushing four. Yes. But switching out JPP, making him into a linebacker, and getting him depth on coverage, because I noticed now that he's in really good shape. And it's good they didn't play him against uh, Mitch Trebinsky in the middle of the season uh, to rest him for the Super Bowl, right? Salesmen think short-term. Business men and women think long-term. So everybody piling on, on uh, Periscope, feel free to ask questions. Uh, we'll be more happy to help you. We got a bunch of people on Facebook. And we got people on our stream on YouTube. So anybody has any questions, we are ready uh, to go. So uh, look for the play on the motion, but they'll be able to get pressure on um, Mahomes. And how is Mahomes going to look at the end of the second quarter and at the end of uh, the fourth quarter is what I'm thinking is going to happen. Now, what are some of the props that are jumping out to you, Jim? Okay, let me open up my, my screen here because I have them on a different angle here, which I'm happy to go over. Okay, so some scoring props that I like. I like Kansas City scoring more than 14 points in the first half. I like that. And then kind of piling on that same concept, I definitely like the Bucks scoring over 13 and a half in the second half. What are your thoughts on those two? 100% love it. 100% love it. Uh, I've been 90%, right? I have a buddy of mine who uh, I talk about a technical analysis in real, the real world in our business that we make for a living. Uh, but he loves technical analysis just because he's an introvert and he likes being in a cubicle looking at charts. He hates sports. So he just looks at charts and stuff. And he's betting the second half line, Buccaneers like I am because we've gone 90% in the time when we went wrong was Jacksonville, which you can throw out as an outlier because Jacksonville was so depleted and so bad this year. Uh, so that's almost hundred percent in the legit teams, uh, Miami and Tampa Bay. Jim reported 80% humidity. It's going to be tough regardless of the temperature being down. These guys have anxiety and they're playing a football game with pads and a helmet on and they're sucking in air. <laughs> so 
the advantage Tampa Bay late in the fourth quarter, uh, regardless of how you feel the game's going to play out. Let's say you think Kansas City's going to blow them out. Uh, the Bucks should score more points in them in the second half and should have points, uh, more points in Kansas City in the second half. And uh, thinking about it more, the Andy Reid script, right? The Andy Reid script scores points and, and it's there for a reason. Now, let me ask you this question. You have kids, yes. Jim? I have a daughter, yes. She's 12. All right, so you're coaching in the Super Bowl. And the night before she gets in a car accident, is that going to affect you at all? You coaching the game the next day at the Super Bowl? Oh, I'd say you're setting up the trapdoor question. Yes, <laughs> it would affect me, but where you're going to here's the thing the Chiefs' game plan was long installed. Their scripted first 15 plays were completely done well before this happened. And you astutely mentioned this, I believe. Eric Bieniemy certainly could step up and take an enhanced role in the play calling after the 15 plays are over. But you are right, Andy Reid, and you can go ahead and talk about that a little bit. Andy Reid may not be himself here, but I think most of the foundation was built before the problem set in. But then it comes Mike Tyson and football, us today, right? Mm -hmm. All ready for the screen where everything goes to go, and, and Zoom disappears every day. <laughs> you have to make, make that adjustment, you know? So uh in the mike tyson thing everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face so again uh outliers right and i i, I think it's not going to have uh but it's a business right and the devil's in the details and there's no thing as an insignificant detail right correct and absolutely especially when you get to a super bowl but really in the nfl there's not really that much difference between the teams and any little uh, thing can uh, change things. So I think from that point of view, uh, that might be that might be an issue. Uh, the fact that he, uh, the fact that he that he's not going to be completely himself with his with his kid, and the reason his kid's there anyways is because Andy Reid's first kid, and this is the thing, right? Because you, you got to look at it in totality. Andy Reid's kid, first kid. Uh, when he was coach of the Eagles, he didn't get fired with the Eagles. What happened was his first kid committed suicide and uh, Andy Reid is a religious guy. So he takes his whole family to uh, church and they all look like a beautiful, nice family, but you don't know what lies in beneath the surface. And again, the reason we do this is for business reasons, right? You analyze the corporate governance of a company to determine its investment value. So in this case, we wager on games like we evaluate stocks, right? And I have a guy who, you know, I manage 60 million. He manages 600 mil. So for every guy like me that manages 60 million, there's a guy who manages 600 million. There's a guy who manages 6 billion. And there's a guy who manages 600 billion, right? So I'm actually at the bottom of the totem pole. He has a lot more money than me, but he manages more money. He has more money than me, but he asked me to be his stock picker. <laughs> so the same way I pick stocks for this guy, it's the same way I evaluate a game. So that's why we go so deep into Andy Reid. So it's not that his kid had an accident a couple of days ago. It's that his first kid 
committed suicide as a drug addict, right? And now his second drug addict kid, remember it says in the Bible and in, in the book he references, that the fruit does not fall far from the tree. This is the second drug addict kid who causes major headaches for him as a head coach. Again, I don't think it's gonna be the general game plan, most of it, 99.9% .9 is not gonna affect it, but it's gonna affect it that 0.001% that uh, who knows, you know, whether they go for it on fourth down or not, uh, you know, are we gonna punt it or not? They're inside the 40, let's say five minutes left in the first half. Kansas City's up 24-7. They're at the 40, the, the Tampa Bay's 40-yard line. It's fourth and three. And uh, Andy Reid decides to punt it instead of going for it, right? Which we love Andy Reid for doing that because he gets yes. us back in the game. Yes. So in those types of decisions that he's making during the game is when the lack of sleep, because he's not a young guy like Mahomes. He's a fat, older guy who's already has heart condition, been to the hospital for heart palpitations and stuff like that, that's when it's going to perhaps affect uh, the game, right? So it's just you eliminate variables and co-variables to get to a result. Now, line swings, it's funny because now with people not going to the casinos, I haven't seen any line swings. The only line swing I saw was immediately when it came out. And again, I have to give credit to, to Jim because Jim said, hey, what do you think about the over right when it came out uh, two weeks ago? What do you think about the over 56? And when I looked at the over 56, I noticed uh, Mahomes, the over under was 30 yards. It is now 22 yards. So. In my world, you look for market inefficiencies. Uh, I don't think this is a real number because it's not based on market because we don't have market data, right? Uh, he might, but Jim can't say it if uh, DFS is feeding you all the statistics on who bet what on what prop, right? Even if they gave it to you, you're not going to give it on our program because it might not be ethical within the rules of DFS. So we don't know whether that 30 number is a legit market-based number or whatever. We just know that it went from 30 to 22. So is there value, Jim, putting your analysis, uh, fundamental analysis hat on for football? Is there value on Mahomes over 22? And when you're talking, you're about the rushing number, right? Right, rushing yards. So, So this is tricky because it got bet down because I right. believe people have apprehension about the toe injury. So I believe it, we're gonna see a lot of zone quarterbacks do a lot of their damage when a defense is in man. Now, certainly Tampa will mix in some man. There'll be some zone. And the other thing is Patrick Mahomes in a big game on the massive stage. We've seen it already. We saw in the Buffalo game, he will take off and run. Now he could get one run of 22 yards. If there's a vertical play called and there's man defense, he could get that on one play with a compromised toe or not. There's still risk, though. And what I don't like is, and I believe last year this happened, he took three kneels down at the end of the game and lost significant. One of them, he ran backwards to kill a clock. 
and everybody had the over covered and it went away. It got taken away in the last replace. So we have to consider that as well. I think it's a dangerous prop. I think that we were, we're really not going on some fundamental analysis. I, I think we're just kind of grasping for straws. I tend to back off of that one. Now, the way I look at it is because I hire lawyers, I hire accountants to do big cases. So in my world, right, if Andy Reid calls a running play for Mahomes, right, uh, in Mahomes, he knows, he knowingly, because in the law is knowingly, he knowingly knows that Mahomes has a head injury oxygen was blocked he calls a run play and Mahomes gets hurt Mahomes can sue Andy Reid and can sue the Chiefs in the NFL and the NFL has been sued for head injuries so when I saw 30 right I went okay this is going to go under because in the NFL now it's corporate it's funny because Theo Epstein right won a uh, championship for the Cubs, he's now in venture capital, sports venture capital. And even his job now, his venture capital firms owns pieces of 10 major league baseball teams and 10 NFL teams is corporatizing uh, these teams as much as possible. So you have marketing, uh, marketing people having a seat at the table with the scouting department. So all things being equal, if you're Florida, you're going to get a Florida State guy. If you're the Bears, you're going to get a big, uh, the guy who got the biggest ratings in the Big Ten Network. I'll think being equal, you're going to draft him. So listening to the Kansas City beat writers, they said that injury goes into decision-making meetings, and I hate meetings, with (laughs) lawyers and doctors. So I'm taking all that information. Remember, that what I love about sports betting more than anything else really is that you learn how to make business decisions and poor middle-class people have to make business decisions without having all the information. And you have to be about 80% right with only a 20% luck factor. So stacking all that, whether we call in the law, circumstantial evidence, what do you think, Jim? I do not think that Andy Reid is going to call running plays for Mahomes, he'll give him an RPO where the RPO saves him legally because it's Mahomes deciding <laughs> to run. It is not the Chiefs under their direction knowingly asking Mahomes to run. And that, now you guys that are listening, why I've won 20 legal cases in a row. <laughs> it's My Mahomes gosh. deciding to run where the reads run. So all that says that the most likely outcome it's less than 30, but the line isn't 30, it's 22. But then again, like you're saying, kneel downs and maybe one sack takes them down uh, to a lesser yarding percent, yardage. Yeah, so that's where my apprehension comes in because I have predicted a Kansas City win. And then that means there is some probability that there are kneel downs and they mark those against the quarterback. I love what you said. Um, I think that's absolutely correct. They will unlikely call running plays from it. It's the off scripts of like, you're talking about RPOs or plays that break down in the pass rush is coming and their vertical routes. And there's 
you know, 15 yards of open space in front of him. And we know Mahomes can make people miss. So that's just my apprehension. I do think it's more likely than not the under comes in. But the problem with Patrick Mahomes is he goes off script so frequently. We don't know where that off script and the adrenaline is going to take us because we understand that athletes in the moment when they see something, they forget about their injuries and their compromised situations and they just do what they do. And that's what gets me nervous about that. But like I said, the, the basis of your point is, yes, the under is the better, more probable play. Right. We're dealing here with probability. Now, yes. on the other side of the coin is the Brady over 0.50 yards. Uh, I like that one. I'm, get, I'm betting I'm going to do 10 bets, right? And then we're going to track them because in betting, what you do is you track them. However, I bet equal amounts on each game and on each proposition, right? And we'll go through all of these and we'll see what Jim thinks. Uh, last night, we went four out of five, 80%. I bet the same amount on those games. So we're ahead, we're playing with house money. Uh, so we go 10 bets. So my first bet, we'll go in order. My first bet is I bet $1,000 on Tampa Bay plus four. I bought the point, got plus four. And based on Jim's recommendation two weeks ago, not really his recognition, his awareness, making me aware. I went uh, $1,000 over 56, right? And that line has not moved. That's something that's going to change with uh, regulation in the sports betting industry. As we get real numbers coming in right now, you have a hedge fund manager, otherwise known as the bookmaker, deciding whether to change the line or not. I see over 56 and at the same time, I put a grand under Mahomes 30 yards. So we'll go in threes. What do you think about those three? So I absolutely like the over call on that and certainly would play that. And now I know this is about the discipline, but I did put like real small amounts of money on some props for fun. Right. And a, a prop that I did with the over, I found a prop at over 68 and a half that pays out five to one. Nice. I thought, so I put a little bit on that because my prediction is 41, 31. So based on that, I'm calling 72 points, but again, at 56, yeah, I think that is a, a 80, 70, a 75 to 80% probability that that hits in that direction. And then your second one, I'm sorry, the second was, was it the Brady one or was it a different one? All right, there's Mahomes again. Mahomes under Mahomes. 30, now it's at 22. Uh, but let's say, let's keep it simple. Let's be under 30. You think that was good? You think that's going to hit for me? The probability is in your favor there, and that's all we're looking for is probabilities. And like we said, there should not be called run plays for him, and that definitely helps. And I do think we see more zone than man from Tampa, and that lends itself to suppressed rushing totals by a quarterback. 100%. percent hundred. Uh, percent, and then what it is now at 22 for people watching, they want to go bet on their app. Is that 22? What are your thoughts? 22, yes. So, um, that number is a little bit lower, and like I said, you're taking a risk that Mahomes just doesn't make one of those Patrick Mahomes plays when a play breaks down. But we deal in probabilities, there are no sure things. But even at 22, and that line has been bet down, uh, obviously from the 30. 
30 is a much more favorable line. 22, it's a lot riskier. So now we're looking instead of a 70 cent probability. Uh, I'm, I'm personally, I said it's a 50 50 proposition. I don't know if that's worth the bet. All right. Now, one that I go down with, I went to $100. And it's one that I usually let my wife, Anna, the psychotherapist, pick. Uh, Anna only watched, she, she hates sports. Uh, she'll only watch the Super Bowl and she'll go to football live, boxing live, and hockey live. Only sports. So the violence, my wife, go live too. So yes. Anna is, I mean, she, Anna's been, since we've been married, 100% picking games. She only picked like one game a year or something that hits her. She's been 100%. And she is seven years in a row hitting on analyzing, she's a psychotherapist. So she's analyzing the singers involved in the over under on the national anthem. National anthem is two minutes and three seconds and it's a duet. So she's saying it's, they're gonna do runs and try to show off a little bit, sell some albums and go over uh, two minutes and three seconds. All right, so we got the over, right? Yes, and the female singer, and I'm sorry, I don't know their names. I heard them earlier in the week. And, and what I heard is she can really carry a tune and, and really let those singing pipes out. And as you said, yes, the likelihood of her carrying out notes. I think that the guy is Eric Church, maybe, and he's unlikely, but based on her likelihood to carry out a note and really show that off. Yeah, I think the over is a great bet here. Nice. Nice. All right. So what are your thoughts on, I've heard this a lot this week. And it's almost like Wall Street bets, right? Dude, and, and really let those singing pipes out. And as you said, yes, the likelihood of her carrying out notes. I think that the oh, guys are in yeah. church, maybe. And he's unlucky, but based on her likelihood to carry Sounds out Sounds good. That's a good replay really of uh, Jim. <laughs> 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 yeah, people are liking it on YouTube. So we're on everywhere. We're on YouTube. We're on Facebook. We're on Periscope. We're on Twitter. And we're recording this. For an awesome podcast great to listen afterwards to see how accurate we really were on all of this and then we'll yes. be back after the super bowl right breaking yes. down what one down all right so that's four our fifth pick is something i've been hearing a lot about what are your thoughts and it's funny because in my world it's buy low sell high so when i heard about hartman all week hartman 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 a lot of people bring the hartman and the over did that line change at all or what's going on with Hartman and the over? You know, it's the point that if he makes a play, there is a very good chance that play goes for significant yardage. Uh, right. Certainly not all of his plays do, but based on the fact we talked earlier, when we saw that second half of week 12, when the Bucks doubled on at times, both Hill and Kelsey when possible, that opened up the opposite side and Hardman would be a player who could be positioned there. And we said, we just missed that 89 yard touchdown in week 12 because Patrick Mahomes missed a very easy throw. And so one play is all it would take. And so it's, you know, certainly it's a gamble because Sammy Watkins will be, you know, we don't know if he's on a snap count because he hasn't played in a while. My guess is he wouldn't be, but I think Hardman is positioned well because he will be in three receiver sets because Watkins usually takes Demarcus Robinson out of the mix. Hardman should be a, a regular player in three receiver sets. So I think that's a very favorable play because of, again, the defense we're going to see and his ability to make big plays. 
right? Now, a guy that I think uh, we call him Bucky Dent in the NFC Championship game. I feel that he's going to be Bucky Dent again in the Super Bowl. Uh, he, this is what I feel. I feel that you're right about Godwin in the middle of the field, right? Uh, but my guy, Bucky Dent, Scotty Miller, fast, white wide receiver. Why do I say that? For marketing reasons, right? They say the Celtics always <laughs> have to have a marquee white guy for marketing reasons. So do the Utah Jazz. Scotty Miller is going to be wide open deep. It's just a matter of, and this is another, let me know your thoughts, Jim. Uh, one of the best games, football games that I ever saw in person, and I got in for free. When I jumped the fence at the swamp, probably can't do that anymore, but I jumped the fence at the swamp, 1994, I think, you know, 30 years ago, the 31-31 tie between Florida State and Florida. And what I noticed about that game was that every play was open. And you're talking about two Hall of Fame offensive coaches in Steve Spurrier, Bobby Bowden, and the guy that was a head coach at Georgia was the offensive coordinator at that time. Mark Rick, every single play was wide open. Really, each team could have scored 70 points in that game, and they could have been a 70-70 tie. I kind of felt that way watching uh, Kansas City, Buffalo, especially in the second half. I felt that both teams had guys running open, and it was just a matter of execution. And uh, the guy at Buffalo was a little wild, especially in the third quarter until the game got out of hand. And what I love about Mahomes is that he is so accurate. You know, he's always spot on in his, about execution. I feel this game is going to be the same way. I feel Scotty Miller is going to be wide open. It's just a matter of executing him. So Scotty Miller in the open, in the over, I like a lot. I am going to throw a little cold water on this, and here's why. After Antonio Brown acclimated into the lineup in week 10, here are his snap shares in the five games that followed. 9, 15, 10, 5, and 13. His yardage holds in those games. 1 for 4, 0 for 0, 0 for 0 against the Chiefs. He did catch a 48-yard touchdown against the Vikings, and he went 3 for 20. And actually, in week 16 and 17, he saw a few more snaps, went 1 for 7 and 1 for 12. My problem is this. Bruce Arians will run a lot of two tight end personnel. That will only leave two receivers on the field, which is Evans and Godwin. When they go to their 11 personnel package, it's going to be Antonio Brown on the field. They would need to go four receiver sets, or they would need to spot a receiver for a snap or two. That is my apprehension with Scotty Miller. He was averaging about 10 snaps per game. And I don't know that gets it done. Right. So this is my counter. And the reason I have this counter is because been fortunate, blessed, uh, that for the last, until this year, this year broke the streak, but for the last 31 years, I've been blessed that I have been able to go to training camps and watch the different uh, training camps. And of course, you don't know what's going on. When you're watching a training camp and looking at it, you really don't know what's going on. You don't know what the future of these guys are going to be. But I remember uh, a Buccaneers training camp where the defensive coordinator was Monty Kiffin. The defensive backs coach 
was Herm Edwards, the head coach in Arizona. Linebackers coach is Lovey Smith, your current defensive coordinator for the University of Texas. Your coach at, uh, you, know, you know, the alumni the last couple of years, and he took your Chicago Bears to the Super Bowl with Rex Grossman <laughs> at quarterback. So that's the linebacker coach I'm watching. Uh, secondary defensive line coach was the guy that was a defensive coordinator for the Raiders at the end. And he was the famous Matt Millen head coach at Detroit that went 0 16. Rod Marinelli. Rod Marinelli. Now it's relevant because Joe Barry was an assistant on that team. He was uh, almost like a GA, right? Along with Mike Tomlin your head coach of your Pittsburgh Steelers. So Joe Barry is now the head coach of your Green Bay Packers. It's the same defense. So when you watch training camp, right, they look at what the best plays are and they make a chart of them. When you get to the Super Bowl, you got to think that it's specialty plays. And when you start thinking uh, Antonio Brown, what I see based on the reading, right? Based on reading about Arians, Leftwich, and Tom Brady, they're boiling down the best plays for each player. So the plays you see in a game or the guys that get cut or uncut is, okay, what is the top 10 best plays for a guy X and where I'm going to put him in there? So for the Super Bowl, when you see Scotty Miller, this is – a Scotty Miller play that he graded high in training camp. Then he executed during the season and he's in there for the reason. Same thing with Antonio Brown. They wouldn't have activated him unless they had a specific play against a specific Spagnolo defense. So that's why I like Scotty Miller, that deep route that he runs when they double Evans and they shade Godwin uh, whoever he's with one-on-one, -on -one, and that's what they talked about. And I think some people say that they talk too much <laughs> because then you you kind of know things. So you know that if you're going to shade coverage to Godwin, Evans, right? You see Antonio Brown in there. Is Scotty Miller better than the fifth, sixth, or seventh? Got bit forbid somebody gets hurt in that she's defensive backfield is Scotty Miller in a one-on-one -on -one situation running a specific place he knows which is deep better than the sixth seventh or eighth Chiefs defensive back your theory definitely holds up especially if the Chiefs get out to a lead and the Bucks have to abandon their typical sets and they need to go to some more four receiver sets. Now we do have concerns that Spagnuolo brings pressure on Brady, which would make downfield plays tough to work out. But yes, especially if, as I call, the Chiefs are going to lead. I think your scenario holds up better in that situation. And that would be the premise in which he could get that big play or big plays and cash on the over. Before we go on, I got a little, about five minutes or so. So we'll, and, and I'm, you probably go on after this, but I want to let you know that ahead of time. All right, all right, we're all cool, cool, cool. So uh, we'll go through my picks real quick. And then uh, we'll, let you, we'll let you go with final thoughts. And then we'll be back after the game. All right. 
So Excellent. I got Scotty Miller at a steal, I think, over 20 yards. All right. Yes. Uh, so Scotty Miller over 30 yards. Uh, Cameron Brait over three receptions. Because you're going to have to go to the off guys. Right? Got to go with the off guys. Uh, what are your thoughts on Leonard Fournette? All right. Uh, we got your thoughts on Nicole Harmon. What are your thoughts on Leonard Fournette? And we'll let you go with two questions. What are other props do you have? And what are your final thoughts on the game? So on the Leonard Fournette question, again, me expecting the Chiefs to have a lead in this game, that would mean Fournette would see the field more as the receiving back and things like draw plays and things like that. So I think Leonard Fournette is in position to put up yardage. I do like his receptions prop as the over. I believe it's three and a half. He's caught at least four passes in every playoff game. So I think he is well positioned to do well and also, again, post solid yardage. Certainly could find the end zone. That definitely is something that could happen there you asked me for other props I like I don't think the Chiefs are going to waste their time running the ball in the first meeting in week 12 when there was no Vita Vea they called 36 pass plays to six run plays during the regular season they coasted in the second half and Josh always tells his listeners Andy Reid will does not close out games well however in the Super Bowl I believe that will be different and they will throw the whole game so I like the under on the combined total yardage of Clyde Edwards-Alaire, rushing, receiving under 48 and a half yards. It's only minus 106. I love minus, I mean, fewer than eight and a half carries on Daryl Williams. I don't, and I think Edwards-Alaire is going to see carries as well. So I definitely don't think Williams is going to be seeing nine carries in this game. And you've heard me make mentions of Sammy Watkins. I like him both over three and a half receptions and over 36 and a half yards. And one more, Chris Jones over a half sack playing against a backup right guard. I, once we close out, I'm going to bet Chris Jones because I like that. I like that over and a half. That sounds to me like JPP last time. Yes. 5.05. I did not bet JPP because the first rule of betting is do not bet your own team. He went to the University of South Florida and I emotionally would pick him in the over. But you can't do that. You got to follow the rule. All right, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, to hold me accountable here live, I start my bankroll. We had 10 wagers, and I started at $8,500. $8,500. Let's see how much of that bankroll is left after the game. Now, that being said, it's irrelevant <laughs> because I bet the same amount in each game. And man, we're almost close to over 70% Pac-12. Final words, Jim. Yeah, so my final words are this. I do believe at the end of the day, the Chiefs have Michael Jordan at quarterback. Magic Johnson at wide receiver and Larry Bird at tight end. And I think even though the Bucks have a better roster, I think they will have a very difficult time stopping the superstar trio and even the ancillary players. I think the Chiefs get out to a lead. The Bucks do make a solid comeback, but I say 41-31 Chiefs. Enjoy the game, everyone. Josh, always appreciate being on your show. Yeah, I'm going the other way. I'm going 41-38 Tampa Bay with uh, Superman handling infected with a little bit of Chris kryptonite. Uh, for the live stream, we'll be back after the game. For the podcast, we always close Winston Churchill.
You make a living from your labor, but you make a life from what you give. Thank you for listening to the EFCC podcast. All right, thank you for the continuation of the NFL podcast. And I'm going to miss it, but we're going to write stuff for it. The Hawthorne effect, right? Whatever you track and measure, your improvements performance of uh, 20%, right? And man, uh, Tampa Bay playing Kansas City for the second time improved this performance a lot more. What are your thoughts on the game, uh, Jim? I was very surprised that Andy Reid didn't come out with a more elaborate set of 15 plays out the gate. I did think all along that the Bucks defense would be exactly as it was. I expected them to rush for. They rarely blitzed. They played coverage. It was exactly what I expected. And Andy Reid is a million times smarter than I am. And I don't know. Well, first of all, you call this. Mahomes' toe was not right. right. He was under pressure. He was on the move. Those accurate throws were not there on the move as they were in the Buffalo game two weeks ago. So it was just very surprising. You certainly give props to Todd Bowles, but Andy Reid and the toll of Mahomes, I just don't know what to make of the game right now. It's it's very confusing. Um, it, as I was, I was watching, it was surreal. Six but points. I mean, money on so I got a lot of tidbits right. You know what? I'm very happy. Uh, I'm actually scared, so I'm going to have to review myself. I'm scared. Every single week of the NFL and college football season, I monetize. California is going to come after me for 14% uh, <laughs> my income tax. So I'm going to have to uh, come up with some expenses. Uh, didn't have to take a PPP loan like uh, Tom Brady, but uh. <laughs> clear out some confusion. Uh, he His toe obviously was not right. And we talked about the game, how important is when you're missing a left tackle. And that guy was completely mauled. Now we know why he was cut 10 times. You know, yes. Everybody know why this guy was cut 10 times? Now we know. <laughs> and then you're talking about corporatism. I hate, when it comes to sports, I hate corporatism. And what it is with corporatism is, and I saw it play, and it's funny, right? Because... In a way, I guess it was a war against it. Now, what I'm talking about is John Gruden. The reason he left Tampa Bay was because the 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 family there, uh, Malcolm Glazer, which I love, Malcolm Glazer came to my restaurant, didn't even introduce himself, just started talking business to me. And the man is a billionaire. So I listened to what he was saying. Yes. He was very cheap. He says, hey, listen, you know, you're a hole in the wall. You have a good thing going on here, but you got to count every spoon and you have to count every fork. So he would not play pay for quality death. Clark Hunt and the Hunt family had, even though they won a Super Bowl with a recession coming, they didn't want to pay for quality death. So you have a 10-year journeyman playing the left tackle. If I, I would guarantee from what I know about Jim that if you and I were running an NFL team, we would have two primo left tackles to avoid this in, in that offensive line for Kansas city got completely demolished. Now, 
I already sent Andy Reid a Christmas card and a thank you card. <laughs> <laughs> I almost want to send him another one. I'm going to write it to my wife because Andy Reid was Andy Reid. He waits for teams to make mistakes. And when you're in the playoffs, you can't make let teams make mistakes. And he went for three field goals instead of going for three touchdowns. When you have Michael Jordan at quarterback and you have a great team like that, you have to uh, take chances early in the game and go for touchdowns. What he was doing at the end of the game, should have done at the beginning of the game, when that Tampa Bay defense didn't have all that confidence that they had later on. And you saw the, the factors that I talked about. Uh, in, in a way, it was a very unfair game because from what I'm, reports I'm getting from uh, beat writers for The Athletic, uh, beat writers for the Tampa Bay Times and my own people is that there's at least 100,000 people right outside the stadium and the cannons that they usually blow, right? Uh -huh. After touchdowns, people are doing it in the parking lot where the sheriffs and police departments are bringing out their own cannons and blowing them up. So they're, they're wow. saying, people inside the stadium are saying that it sounds the same between the people cheering up. So it was a home game for Tampa Bay, and it must have felt very, very weird for them. Mahomes was not himself. Yes. Uh, at all. And he, he was getting mauled by that, def that, that left tackle who just got completely destroyed. Now, I do have a question that I meant to ask you all these times, but I have ADD, it goes in my mind. You being, you know, the greatness of Loyola, Chicago, Illinois, baseball. Division one baseball player. What we were actually, um, we were actually not D one for baseball though. Yeah, we were for baseball. We weren't in that level, but anyway, but did play Loyola. Pretty high, high up. How many major league guys have ma made it to the major leagues from Division two? Well, my question is, Mahomes, with uh, his hair was unclear, with a bad toe, those throws he made, regardless whether they're complete or not, were amazing throws. Is that because he played baseball? Absolutely. Yes, that is a lot of what Patrick Mahomes has going for him. He has that baseball ability. You can tell, by the way, almost like a shortstop, how a shortstop will make throws from all different platforms. The great ones have always been one. able to do that. Yes. And so I think that is what we see in Patrick Mahomes. And then the fact that his dad was a baseball player and Mahomes was around the major league players. I think that taught him a lot about being on different stages and being around, you know, the camaraderie and also just the, the level of intensity. And I think he learned a lot. And I think that really helped him settle in very quickly. Yeah, no, those were amazing throws. He was making, uh, especially under the circumstances. Uh, I'm going to pull up all the best we got right here. Uh, in the Hawthorne effect, you gotta look at your thinking and flaws in your thinking. And one of the reasons, in, earlier in the live stream, we talked about I won 20 lawsuits in a row, sometimes going one-on-one -on -one against attorneys. And to be honest, the reasons I won was, you know, A, being more prepared, and number two, the judge and the other attorney on the other side were like, who are this guy? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is he going to say, right? And you right. say something intelligent, you got him on the back. I made a mistake uh, thinking I'm smart, 
I'm thinking I'm a market guy, looking at numbers, because we don't have the numbers, the bookmakers, they didn't budge off 56. So the bookmakers correctly uh, thought, or I call them hedge fund managers, not all hedge fund managers are bad and don't know what they're doing. I think of David Tepper, he's a hedge fund manager. He's the owner of the Carolina Panthers. He's 59% picking stocks. So the line makers were good keeping it under 56. They were. Because this, this was an under game all the way because of that left tackle. Missing. But do you but do you think at halftime when the score was 21 to 6 there were 27 points they were almost halfway there the Chiefs were trailing and the Chiefs were at that point would it would appear to be that they would be in chase mode at that point again not knowing what would happen in the second half they'd score even fewer than the 6 points i thought for sure at that point it was an easy over down 21 to 6 chase mode and but anyway, I'm clearly that didn't happen. 40 points, one of the right. lower scoring Super Bowls. Right. And one thing, maybe you know this better than I am, because I know this is too you're a teacher. Uh I feel that people our age, because we had Vietnam veterans as teachers, as PE teachers, were more mentally tough. Either the interior line of Kansas City quit, or again, we were talking about injuries. Some some guys are injured. And if they fell there in jeopardy for their position, for their money next year, they're not going to say they have an injury for the Super Bowl. But, man, it was it was floodgates. It was almost like there was nobody blocking, and, and poor Mahomes um, had to panic and leave the pocket and then heave it down the field. So I felt either quit or they had injuries or that 80% humidity just completely, right? Uh, what did I say? Um, fatigue makes us cowards of us all. Yeah, I would lean toward your saying they quit. It it looked to me like they were a beaten team. Mahomes was taking a beating. It they didn't, especially on the first drive or two of the second half when they didn't get much at all going. At that point, it it just spiraled out of control. I think. Look, let's give the Tampa Bay Buccaneers massive credit. Let's let's laud their fans with you know praise that your team had a wonderful season well-deserved Super Bowl. Tom Brady came in and did it again. I love the fact, and we talked about this, one of the keys to success, we said, was using Gronkowski in the middle of the field. We thought God would be a part of that, but they never had to get there because they ran out to a big lead at halftime. But that Gronkowski usage was great, and then they were able to utilize their running game, which Kansas City is never used to playing from a deficit. So the Buccaneers are one of the few teams, because this is the first time Mahomes and the Chiefs have lost by more than one score. They were able to run the ball 33 times up to 29 passes for Brady. And this could not have been a better game script for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the wonderful job they did. Absolutely. And all the people finally up on um, Periscope, any questions you have, let us know. Concept, again, this made me a lot of money. It's been the Hawthorne effect. And then this is maybe it's so much money it's not even funny, which is football self-scouting. When a team comes off a bye, certain coaches, Tomlin is perfect at it. So Tampa Bay comes off a bye and they go 8-0, uh, 9-0. They sweep through the playoffs, completely different teams. Belichick does the same thing. After the first month in baseball, Great managers, great 
uh, general managers, great advanced scouting. They do a great job in that second month of the season. It's a completely different uh, baseball team and football team. In the, in the reviews that Todd Bowles did on defense and Arians did on offense was, in my opinion, uh, spectacular. And we monetized it. So the best notes to make money for next year are now when the season's fresh in your head. Bring out the Evernote, bring out the notepad that I have yep. here, and you write everything down and you notice that. So when the Bucks go on a buy next year, Andy Reid goes on a buy next year, you notice that. Then you notice key injuries, right? That left tackle, I keep talking about it. You saw that over and over and over and over again. And that's, I wouldn't say should, because should is kind of a, too much of a powerful word. And my wife would say, stay away from that. But I, so a better way of saying it is, I would prefer all of us to, when we see this scenario again, because math people get wrong. They think it's calculation, it's pattern recognition. So you use math and you see this pattern, you say, okay, next time I'm gonna bet Tampa Bay plus three, I don't have to even buy a point and this game's going under. Yep. You know, I, I wanna add a couple of thoughts. I, I really struggled with the game plan that Kansas City had. They knew their left tackle was a problem. They right. knew that they could be pressured with four. I expected they would get the ball out very quickly. They all, and also align trips to the right, have rollouts to the right to avoid the left tackle. And you even could put an extra tight end on the right side and you could overcompensate that. And then with your three receivers, they're easy throws into zone coverage where you, off the three men, you could have all those route combinations. They could be short. I, if we, learned Mahomes toe wasn't right. That means Andy Reid knew his toe wasn't right. They right. knew they didn't have left tackle. You can't roll They're, it out, so you can't do that. What you're but talking it, about. it wouldn't have to be a power roll. It wouldn't have to, we saw he did roll out, and right. he was – he moved. But not every play, though. He, it was like every once in no. a third play, yeah. But we're not talking hard rollouts. We're talking right. just little, you know, like half rolls, not under pressure. But even so, I don't feel, knowing what we know now, the game plan was not tailored to Mahomes' injury – or to the left tackle. It was ignorant. It was an ignorant game plan, almost as if saying the tackle doesn't matter. Mahomes toe doesn't matter. And we're just going to do what we do. It was an irresponsible game plan. Right. And then the rigidity and thinking, because the game plan you're talking about, you got to go fast. You got to go no huddle because they know they're outside the rolling out too. And knowing what's going on, I would do some Houston Baptist football, some fast, 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 the real air raid and speed up, get those uh, Buccaneer defensive line tired in the first half. Because they had those three drives. Let's run some traps. Let's. They did it on the one play where they had Tyree Kill going to one side, make him run to the other side. I would have done another, uh, because really it's, a, uh, you know, um, wing T play. It's a wing king arena football play. Yes, yes. Run up to the other side, run those tackles. Because in a way, I felt, um, and I talked about it before, it's almost like the triple crown. One horse runs the triple crown twice, and they run a fresh horse in the Belmont Stakes. Right? And you bet on the fresh horse, 
in Vita Vea was a fresh horse. So you got a fresh horse playing against guys who had now played 40 games in two years interior that interior line. And, and that's just really unfair, really. If I was commissioning, <laughs> I would not let Vita Vea play because it's an unfair uh, advantage. Uh, uh, first round pick, 350 pounds, fresh. Well, the other guys are coming in. Uh, another mistake, right? In my mind, was that Kansas City flew in the night before the game. I thought that was a huge mistake. I know, you know when I go on vacation, uh, if I have something really planned, like a scuba that I'm really into, I want to get there two, three days before, get it uh, acclimated a little bit. Because yep. you fly them in the night before, the night before the Super Bowl, you're in a strange place. You're not going to sleep. You're right into the stadium. There's a hundred thousand people outside, and they're making all this noise, crazy noise, shooting off cannons. It, it, it was. <laughs> you know, let me add this. Josh. Think about this. Had they traveled a day earlier, Andy Reid's son, the linebacker coach, wouldn't have gotten into his situation. Now that that is completely weird, but it just it's it's. I don't want to use. You're not rushing ironic. to the airport. Not right. it's, to the airport. Yes, it's almost like ironic, and I don't. That's a wrong word. I don't. I'm not meaning the word to be insensitive, but it's just like, had they traveled earlier, you know, and you can't say maybe it would happen on Thursday, but right. that sad event for that poor set of children right. may not have happened, and like that has nothing to do with this. But I just thought that. No, but you, in a way, it does because he's not rushing to the airport, you know, and the, everybody else was rushed, and then. uh one big thing that, that I noticed, because I had a problem with it, and it took me 10 years to mitigate it. So now I'm like with somebody with glasses, right? I see it more than, it's impulse control. And Honey Badger lost his impulse control. He did. Big time in the first half. And then I saw him in the second half doing what we showed before the game, the Buffalo Bills were doing. They were lined up wrong. And he was screaming at people, and again, that's a very, I said it at halftime. It, that, it, you got important positions for a reason, right? So you got your left tackle out, very important position. And then your free safety is an important position. And he's freaking out. Uh, what did you think about the four PIs that Mike Evan got on that guy, Brishon, another impulse control guy? And the fact that Brishon and Honey Badger were arguing after that guy got four PI calls. Were they good calls? Uh, I thought it was a big factor in the game because at that point in time, uh, Kansas City needed a stop. You know, the Chiefs sailed through last year in 2019, and they sailed through this year. They lost two games before tonight, but the one game was week 17, and it didn't matter. This team was not used to dealing with long-term adversity. They right. were used to coming back from deficits. So even when they were down in some games, they always knew they'd come back. I think when they realized, as the old, and you may have mentioned the old Mike Tyson one, everybody has a plan to get punched in the mouth. Well, I think they realized that they may not get up from this. And I think as that game went on, the frustration level, they were not conditioned to lose. And I think they were not able to handle that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And going to the props, you're 100% right about Scott Miller. Uh, you were 100% right about Anton Whitfield. So, uh, another person you brought up to my uh, thought process. 
I didn't think he was that great of, uh, of a guy uh, or that important to that defense. And man, did you prove me wrong there. He's a hundred percent valuable Player. to that defense. He had a big, 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 huge interception before Kansas city had quit. <laughs> yes. You know, he's a legacy player. His dad was a player in the NFL and not that those always work out. A lot of times they don't, but you know, when they hit, they hit big. Right. No, absolutely. And I, I love that certain for Alabama. Mahomes is a legacy guy. Cause he knows how to play pro uh, in my world. I hate nepotism, right? I hate nepotism. I've lost money and jobs over nepotism. Oh, I'm going to hire my son. I'm going to pay you less money to do my son's job so my son looks good. And <laughs> I've had those conversations with a guy, you know, 30, you know, has $30 million liquid assets and, and uh, $30 million in liquid. And he goes, I'm like, okay, so you have a succession plan. Oh, yeah. Uh, who is it? My nine-year-old daughter. I'm like, oh, no, come on. <laughs> you, don't know, you, you don't know if she wants to be the the owner of a paper company. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Right, right. So sometimes these guys don't want to be. I know a guy who's an assistant in, for a major Division One uh, college basketball team. And I remember him telling me how much he hates basketball because his dad was coach. Now he's a coach. He's looking for a way out. <laughs> so, yeah, so sometimes it doesn't work. It worked for Winfield. It worked for Mahomes. Uh, worked for Tom Brady. His dad was a coach. Uh, as far as props are concerned, I'm going to bring out what were my bets to hold me myself accountable here. While you're looking them up, I'm just going to talk about a couple of mine. You're way better at props than I am. I was pretty much split down the middle on props, so it was not a profitable day. The one that just missed for me was I took a plus 330 on Grok, 70 or more yards. He had 67, and they stopped having to pass the ball. Otherwise, that would have cashed easily. Now, I hit the other props at him. I told people to take him in DFS, and um, he had his 28-yard over and um, the score I had him for that. But I just missed that because they blew him out so badly. But Gronk would have easily crushed that. Every, other, otherwise, it was pretty much 50-50 on for me. Right. So, uh, let me see. How many points were scored in the fourth quarter? Not any at all. Or... Zero. Zero Zero points in the I fourth quarter. I got that one wrong. All right. So, 0-1. Uh, I got the side right. So, that's 1-1. One one. The over wrong. That's 1-2. and two. All right. Uh, Chiefs second half line, but I bet the the Bucks second half won. So what was the so the Bucks ended up winning the second half, right? They did the second half. It was ten to three. Yeah, so I ended up winning, and that goes ninety percent Florida team second half yep. line. I bet twice, but I bet more on the second half Bucks. So I'll call that a win. I'll let you decide that. Should I call that as a win, or should I say that's one on one? No, I, I say you call that a win. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna make money on it. I'm gonna quickly interject one thing too. I had this other prop, which just sounds like a super simple prop. It was plus 125 for KC to score in each quarter. Three, 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 looking great. Right. Zero in the fourth quarter. <laughs> oh man. Ben, but don't break. All right, so Ouch. Right down, three and two. Uh three and two. Scotty Miller. Nothing. That makes me three and four. 
And while you're still looking, I had one of the fat man TD, an offensive lineman to score. It was only a very, very small part, oh. a couple dollars on it. And yes, it was plus like 1600, I think it was, or something like this. And, um, yeah, it was more noise, more than that. But anyway, um, it was he had that touchdown pass and he dropped it. And I was like so excited. Oh my gosh, you're gonna get that one to come through. And he dropped it. It was funny. I enjoyed it. Go back ahead now. Tell me who was he had. We got the national anthem money. That was the over, right? That was the over. It was an easy over. Once I started started seeing that one girl doing the runs, I was yes. like, easy, easy over. DraftKings, I couldn't find that. I wanted to bet the over, and I couldn't find it on DraftKings. Maybe it was there, and I just didn't find it, but I could not find it. Right. And I know uh, your friends with DraftKings, but maybe some people at DraftKings would say, hey, look around also to other folks who might have stuff. Always shop. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I'm more of a fantasy guy, though. You know that. So, oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I look forward to and Do you do fantasy baseball? I do not um, because I want to keep my family. the killer month is august when baseball's in full swing but then we have preseason football yeah so um i know a lot of guys can do that but i can't all right so i gotta check my book and you gotta know uh read the fine print on dfs my print x's out sacks so i got my under 30 um homes so that's five. All right, so let me see how the Leonard Fournette tuned the second half. Now Mahomes had 33 yards rushing in the game. Right, and that's minus his stacks. Uh, no, it was five. It was all first half. He had five rushes for 33. No, that does not include sack yardage. Okay. No, if he was including sack yardage, my goodness, he'd be down uh, for five out of eight yards. If your book count included it, then you would have won. Right. But yeah, my yardage, book includes that, and I knew beforehand. Because I wanted the sack yardage because I knew the left tackle was missing. So I wonder if I could find that for you. Yeah, but that should be that's easy then because he got sacked for a bunch of yards. Right. All right. So let me see. Letter Fournette was 16 for 89. How much did he get in the second half? Not sure. Not sure. Let me he had to have gotten, he had, he is at least 40. He had at least 40 in the second half. Because I want to say he had 30. Right, so I got the over half. easy because there was over 28. Yeah, you easily got that. All right. So let me put up, let me, let me do the Ronald Reagan and make my life easy, right? Smart people take something hard, make it easy. Dumb people make it hard. Let me make it easy. Let me go straight to my book here. Yeah. Tell me the wins. And then, of course, to cap out the night, even if it's in game betting, uh, we got the Cal Golden Bears. Covering against the Stanford Cardinal. Yeah, thanks for that. When I put that in, well, hopefully, I'm sure that one will come out fine. Yes, it'll uh, make up. And that's the thing, right? Uh, you had a profitable weekend because all those Pac-12 picks that are you know, giving out for free, they're all hitting on, on a big scale. Because uh, we're like Wall Street bets in a way that we're for the people. We want the people to win. And want to kind of teach, uh, want to teach abundance theory. Twenty-six billion dollar economy. There's money for everyone. And I'm just yes. Look here to enjoy my winnings because that's the thing. You don't want to sit there and settle in a in a cellar with. Uh, if they used to say Mike Ditka, right? They used to say Mike Ditka sits in a basement 
with a bottle of tequila and a cigar by himself. <laughs> you want to have fun watching games. After you find this, you can keep on with I me. Mean, I got two more minutes. I'm going to have to get rolling into the sunset right, cool. here. So what are your final thoughts? Um, my final thoughts are, I, I think I summed it up earlier. Great respect to Tom Brady, Coach Arians, Coach Bowles, um, the players on the Bucks. They did exactly what they had to do. They played like a championship team. They did what they had to do defensively. They played a very smart game offensively. The game worked perfectly for them in conjunction. So they are way well-worthy champions. The Chiefs, as I said, the injury to Mahomes, the offensive line injury, and I believe the coaching staff did not take into account those situations, and I believe they put themselves into a negative situation. I think they're going to do a lot of soul-searching after this one, and they're going to be very disappointed at the way they approach this game. I believe it was negligent coaching, to be honest with you. 100% agree. 100% agree. And then you got to see with your eyes, right? And we'll close with that. We saw uh, the backup tackle for Green Bay get destroyed, and we saw the backup tackle for the Sheep get uh, destroyed. And Andy Reid, in his rigid thinking, we monetized it again. again. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And he did not <clears throat> play the fourth quarter, the first quarter, the way he played the fourth quarter. You got to do it. You got a missing left tackle. You're going in, take a shot especially when you got the fastest player in the NFL. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you, Jim. Man, it's been a blast. Great information. Thank you for all the money you've made me. And uh, we'll go. I look forward in the offseason uh, to doing a motivational podcast. And if you do anything around the draft, we'll be ready to go. And then before we know it, uh, my football season really starts. Uh, in late May, when I get that Phil Steele magazine, start breaking down college teams. Excellent. There, uh, mid-July, uh, we go to the Rams. I, I live in football heaven here as far as training camp, because I can go to the Rams in Irvine, and then to the Chargers in Costa Mesa, where I know the assemblywoman, so I can get right on the field and talk to Mr. Spanos and all of them. And then I could take an hour drive to the desert, to Las Vegas. Let's see. John Groom. <laughs> his new defensive coordinator, Mr. Bradley, put in those defenses, shoot some videos, and yes. see what their basic sets are, where they play on top of them. And then part of the biggest fun is the fans. You get knowledgeable information from people who are knowledgeable as Jim and I or just hanging out at training camp and you learn so much football there and it's great times with the family of the players too. So that is the plan. Thank you, Jim. And um, forward. We will be working together this off season. Take care. Have a great night, everyone. If you haven't heard of anchor, it is free. It's a podcast that I use. <clears throat> And they really do a good job for us here at the GFSN betting and team report podcast. It helps us make 70 to 80% of your bets. Now, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started, my brothers.